Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 5. A fall from grace. Former Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tano has forsaken her life in the Order to strike out on her own. Clad in something other than a tube top, our favorite Togruta puts on a brave face to greet a forbidding world. Descending into the lower levels of Coruscant, she meets new friends and adversaries alike. Jedi Master Colleen and Padawan Sara are tasked with following her movements, forbidden from revealing themselves. Join our two intrepid Jedi as they dive into the lower levels of Coruscant and begin to suspect their beloved order is not as revered as they once thought. Ahsoka was thought to be lost without a trace, but they hope to soon find out otherwise. Welcome ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, Queen of Queries, Lady of Literature, and Defender of Droids. Pew pew! And I'm Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, Lady of Loggers, Gryffindor Prefect, and Rebel Scum Collaborator, with that quick disclaimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks As we carry. As a friendly reminder, we will be discussing spoilers and using some adult content-y language, so if you haven't watched Episode 5 of Season 7 yet, or the idea of Ahsoka rocking animal print concerns you, come back when you're ready for a wardrobe change. And so, without further ado, let's punch it, Colleen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's great. We're gonna hop. We're gonna hop. Now, listeners, let's hop into the Millennium fandom for our episode recap. Our opening card this week is: If there is no path before you. Create your own. And with that, welcome back, Welcome snaps. back. Ahsoka looking fly in her new jumpsuit. and Her leku are longer. <laughs> and yeah, and so one of the things we'll be talking about in our second holocron is kind of how long it's been. And since we last seen her, she's left the relative safety and security presupposed of the Jedi mm. Temple and mm. flies through Coruscant on a junky but kind of cool speeder. Very cool. And of course, just as she's ready to go for it and disappear, the speeder craps out on her, sending her and the viewer, I was a little bit <laughs> tizzy and dizzy, <laughs> into Coruscant's lower levels. Yes. And we'll go over those Coruscant layers later, but it's pretty seedy where Ahsoka crashes. So this is level 1313. It practically oozes that organized crime vibe. She meets yeah. Trace Martez, this really cute little mechanic and pilot who offers her space to fix the speeder, but for a price. Like, for a price. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? Down here, everything has a price. At least that's what she tells Ahsoka. But she does still help Ahsoka fix the speeder. And a small-time gangster named Pintu is looking for Trace's sister, Rafa, and demands credits owed to him. His goons beat up Trace, who allows Ahsoka to help 
out. And our girl, it was delicious, <laughs> kicks Fantastic. some butt with relative ease. And you know what? Without using the force. Good eye, Colleen. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. agrees to meet Trace's sister, who turns out to be a little bit of a con artist with entrepreneurial decisions during tough times. And mm-hmm. she gets Trace and Ahsoka to build slash repair some hulking droids, which I can't wait for us to talk about in our holocrons, yes. only for one of them to, surprise, surprise, run amok around the sector. Oh, my. Uh, that droid, it King Kongs its way up the buildings like its little hands just popping up there. It's trying to escape them. But with some quick thinking little heroics from Trace and a smidge of force usage from Ahsoka finally, they eventually subdue the droid. They plead with Rafa not to get give the dangerous droids back to the client, but she of course ignores their advice. Great. I wonder, <laughs> wonder this is going to come back and bite them in the ass later? Maybe. We don't know. We don't know. But <laughs> Ahsoka tells Trace that it's better for her to leave And I doubt, kind of as the name and the opening credits imply, that we've seen the last of the Martez sisters. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. So we're going to head into our theme for this week, and that is the walkabout journey. Now, the walkabout's origins come from an Australian Aboriginal coming-of-age ritual, where a young person must face the wilderness and elements to become an adult. That's right. It's an adulting theme, you guys. And it's come to mean like any journey of self-discovery, but still pertains to mostly young people, like preteens, teens. Yeah. And this arc has been referred to as Ahsoka's Walkabout by the team involved. So be ready for some enlightenment and personal discovery. She's going to find out just who she really is in these episodes, or at least get a little bit closer. She's growing up like right before her eyes. She's so cute. It's a wonderful journey to take with her. Now that we understand what walkabout we're going on with Ahsoka, let's turn to our seven holocrons, our repository of knowledge, to get more information on what we've seen and what we might see. So, Colleen, now that we understand our short summary, what timeline are we looking at here? Because one of the things we did was we rewatched the last four episodes of season five Mm -hmm. with her having that presupposed fall from grace and leaving Anakin behind Mm -hmm. at the Jedi Temple. And so when we see her, it's not quite clear immediately is the jump straight from one Mm -hmm. to the other or perhaps not. What what do we think, Colleen? Yes. Rewatching those episodes was so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. If you ever need a good cry, gentle listeners, just go watch that last arc of season five and you will be guaranteed some some great tears. So I at first I thought this might be running this arc concurrent with the beginning of season six because we don't see Ahsoka in season six. But right. when you see her longer leku. And she looks a little bit taller. I don't think it's quite during that time frame. I don't think it's right after she leaves. I'm guessing that it took a little bit of time to kind of extricate herself from the temple, from the Jedi. There's probably an exit interview or something (laughs) where she's like, yeah, mm," where she like maybe stole some stationery. You you never know. 
I'm I'm assuming that the the um, termination notice <laughs> was actually her delivering it to Anakin on those steps. Mm-hmm. For our listeners who might not know, since we've mentioned it twice already, what is this Leku mm-hmm. that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Just because we've, if you don't know the vocab, you've seen <laughs> yes. it. You just don't know exactly. the name yes. for it. Yeah. So the Leku are her little head tails. So she has one going yeah. down her back, and then she's got the two in the front. And this is also what the Twi'leks call their head tails or their leku. And that's actually where they get their name. The Twi'leks means twin leku. So then that's how you can kind of tell how old either the Twi'leks or the Togrudas are. Wonderful. So we're kind of assuming that we're picking up right where kind of the the rest of season seven Mm -hmm. is and that we might not have seen where Ahsoka was during season six. Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. if you want to make that uh, spinoff, you have our blessing. Yes. And now that we know kind of timeline-wise, how about planetary-wise, mm-hmm. Coruscant? What, diving in specifically in dorky detail, what about this specific location or on Coruscant are we looking at, Colin? It's really good to be on Coruscant and actually going into the lower levels because we spend time there occasionally, but it's more fun to kind of see how the actual people live to go by our bad batch boys. We can say how the regs live, like how the regular people are living. So we're on Coruscant. This is a core planet. It's near the center of the galaxy. Well, how they have mapped out the center of the galaxy. It's covered with an enormous city metropolis, and it's thought to be actually the home world of humanity in Star Wars. So this is where all the all those pesky humans come from. We're really sorry, other races. Yeah, and so, I I was about to yeah. say I don't notice really any <laughs> green space left. <laughs> no, there's not. We do get that little shot of the wharf where Ahsoka and Trace go at the end, which has like the kind of cool underground lake. Yeah, which is also somehow on thirteen thirteen. <laughs> not sure how <laughs> they course. did that or how exactly the levels work, but yeah. So there is a lake. Kind of, at least. It's probably full of pollution and trash, but, you know, you get what you get on Coruscant. Yep. So then we're on 1313, and Coruscant has thousands of these levels. It's home to about 3 trillion people. It is, let's see, I think it's like 5,127 levels, and it starts at 1 and goes up. So the higher you go, the richer and more affluent you are. And then Ahsoka is on 1313, so she's fairly low down. Now, it's not the best place for anybody. Yeah, it's got that large organized criminal population. The double unlucky number might yeah, give it unlucky. away. Exactly. Like, ugh, poor girl. She she doesn't know where she is yet either. Until Trace finally is like, "You're on thirteen thirteen and Ahsoka's like, "Great." Where's Wayside High? That's what mean, we need to know. <laughs> I didn't mean to come down this low. Whoopsies. So what's really cool about 1313 is that it was supposed to be the setting for a live action TV series that George Lucas had planned and a Boba Fett focused video game. Cool. But neither ever came to fruition. So I'm pretty glad we got this here. Maybe it's a like it's a early nod to Mm. our holocron on Easter eggs. (laughs) Like that may be all we get of what had once existed Mm -hmm. as a show. And I suppose that's a nice way for us to transition to our who is here. Kind of Mm -hmm. once again, looking at what is absent. Who isn't here, Colleen? Mm -hmm. And why is this person's absence noticeable? This is our boy, Annie. Our poor little Anakin Skywalker is not here. And his absence is going to be felt by Ahsoka through this entire arc. 
Yep. He was her tie to everything in her life. And having that kind of figure leave your life is, it's incredibly difficult to get through. So I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of Ahsoka dealing with her feelings about leaving Anakin in this arc. But then also, we kind of have to wonder, like we said, our mission this episode was to follow Ahsoka under orders from Anakin. You kind of make you wonder, does Anakin have anybody following Ahsoka? Like, we can't be sure yet. We don't know. But it seems like a possibility because he's so damn overprotective. That's true. It's it's interesting. I I kind of presuppose that he hasn't. I'm guess I'm under the assumption based on what I've seen in I think season 4 of mm. Rebels. It's not to say that that couldn't be a possible theory, but in my mind their relationship now is of like shared sad remorse mm-hmm. over both of their ideals kind of collapsing before them and Annie wanting to respect his younger sister because as both of them acknowledge, he's considering leaving too. Oh, that moment is crushing. (laughs) Yeah, and so I wonder, it's kind of like cart before the horse, Mm -hmm. what could have, would have, should have happened, had Ahsoka stayed, had da-da-da happened, and and so on and so forth. Bless Star Wars. (laughs) Very unlikely that he would have fallen. So even though they introduced Ahsoka, this like bright shining star in Anakin's life, she had yeah. to leave somehow because yep. if she was around when Order 66 happened and she was with Anakin or if she was with Anakin when Palpatine really got to him, I don't think he would have fallen for it. Right. And and I think we had talked about this maybe last episode or two episodes ago, so I don't want to belabor the point, but Ahsoka is a fierce warrior who... Mm-hmm has just prodigious skills that only get further and further honed. And I think we can reasonably assume that the rest of season seven is either going to feature Ahsoka or focus on her. And I mean, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And so I think since we're hopefully going to be spending more time with her, let's pivot a little bit more to touch on our two new characters, Trace and Rafa Martez. Okay, so these are two like pretty street smart sisters who live on level 1313. Trace is the mechanic and supposedly a pilot. We haven't seen her fly yet, but she seems to be pretty confident about it. Yeah. So I'm guessing that she's probably going to be starting to fly in either next episode or somewhere in this arc. She also seems really skilled in construction because she's able to put together the droids super easily. Right. And then her sister, her older sister, Rafa, she's a little more amorphous. She's that con artist, a smooth talker. I, of course, I'm obsessed with etymology of names. So I looked up Martez because it's like, that's a Spanish name. It's got to mean something. Yeah. And it means warlike. Ah. So... Not worrisome at all, no. maybe a little bit, but this could have something to do with war with what's going to be happening. <laughs> In the yeah. stars, we don't know. <laughs> exactly. One, a lot of times I don't go into name meanings too much, but these fantasy properties, Harry Potter, Star Wars, even Game of Thrones, they put a lot of thought and emphasis into names, although George Lucas is a little bit too on the money right. sometimes with his right. character names. But then you have Rafa, whose name means happiness and prosperity, which seems to be these are the things she craves i'm hoping she achieves this i i highly doubt she will we'll talk more about that in our bad feelings section 
Yeah. I have high hopes for these ladies. I'll I'll say because I don't want us to forget this name and meaning point. One of the things that Brendan highlighted that he actually Mm. really enjoyed about this episode more than a lot of Star Wars and particularly the earlier four episodes of this one season is this episode in particular really gets on the issue of the moral quandary Mm -hmm. regarding how to achieve happiness in times of war and what Mm -hmm. to do to overcome them, the idea of I need to help myself and Mm -hmm. doing so requires me to do something that does not help other people. And he really appreciated that moral quandary being touched upon. Right. And these are our heroes and they're doing these morally questionable things. Yeah, and so for our little pun, it's, you know, a little rougher around the edges there, but we we recognize yes. that this is something that happens in times of war, and we really mm-hmm. appreciated that. And she recognizes Ahsoka pivoting mm-hmm. a little bit as competition for her sister's yes. attention and mm-hmm. isn't afraid to put Ahsoka in her place. Definitely not. And so while we admire that she wants a good life for herself and Trace, it's one of those things where we don't have the answers, but Mm -hmm. we get to go, "Hmm, these decisions (laughs) might get them into a lot of trouble. They're complete opposites, too. Like, you have Trace saying to Ahsoka, shouldn't I help you? Like, it seemed like the right thing to do. And then Rafa has her little motto, life motto, we can't count on anyone, so we count on ourselves. (laughs) And speaking on people we can't count on, how about some Mm. of the villains? This is kind of like a micro villain here, right? Tell us, tell us about uh, Mm -hmm. Pinto here. (laughs) So Pinto, his species is unknown. Like, come on, Wikipedia. We just gave you a shout out last episode, but his species isn't listed on their site. It's listed as this other character's species. (laughs) So there's another guy that looks like this in Rebels and the Wikipedia article just links to that other character species. <laughs> like, okay, fine. He doesn't have a species. He lives on Coruscant. That's all so, it is. Soon enough, 20 pages will be written. We'll just have <laughs> oh. to refresh the page. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, Filoni's going to be like, wait a minute, we don't have a species? Come on Somebody now. needs to get on that. Somebody call George right now. <laughs> yep. So then he's our kind of primary antagonist for this episode, along with his two thugs. And these two huge dudes are just beating up on her. Like, what the hell? They're, so they're imposing to the regular people probably in this neighborhood, these small-time gangsters. But Ahsoka has so little trouble with them. They're not part of a syndicate, or at least doubtful that they're even close, maybe like tangentially connected to the Pikes or the Black Sun. No sweat but, broken. Yeah, they're just not scary to Ahsoka at all. One of the interesting things, now that we're looking at things more from Ahsoka's lens is whether or not the real villains actually appear to be the Jedi. (gasps) Because according to Trace, quote, the Jedi are running around starting wars, policing everything. There is real bitterness and sorrow in her voice And she heard stories when she was little about these noble Jedi Knights defending the galaxy. I mean, hi, Ahsoka Mm -hmm. is like, dear diary, I told you not to unlock for anyone but me. Right. They're not what 
she thought they were. That was a big thing when these new movies came out. That was a lot of the backlash. How dare Uh, you besmirch the Jedi? (laughs) Yeah, like little robes getting a little dirty because Mm -hmm. Palpy definitely made them the face of the Republic war effort, making Mm -hmm. them seem power-hungry and greedy, high-classic Sith. And she says, quote, it's not safe down here or anywhere on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. So... If the Jedi are failing this miserably amongst citizens on their home base, home team, (laughs) home turf advantage. Where people actually know them and know who they are. (laughs) Yeah, you ain't got a chance with with other people. This this isn't the High Republic era. Jedi aren't the heroes to people like Trace and Rafa. They're more like (laughs) corrupt (laughs) military or police officers. (laughs) 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 Ahsoka is visibly shaken by Trace's opinion of the Jedi because Barris had bombed the temple and framed Ahsoka because she believes the Jedi had strayed too far from their original intent again. <laughs> you know, I mean, you you start to see Yoda and Mace and Obi-Wan, but, but more Yoda, I would say, of yeah. them all starting to recognize oh, I too have hubris, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's what's making some of this cloudy. Oh, wait, now it's even cloudier. Yes. It turns out, obviously, Barris, and we aren't the Mm -hmm. only ones with these thoughts. I mean, just listen to her confession speech from season five episode, The Wrong Jedi. Colleen, hit us Mm -hmm. with the hard stuff. Take it away. (laughs) This was rough to listen to the other day, rewatching these episodes. Okay, so Barris says, I did it. It's only a matter of time. Mm. I mean, shouts to our bad feelings Mm. section. Yep. (laughs) Barris, even though she betrayed Ahsoka and the Jedi Order, she not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. She's not wrong. She shouldn't be bombing things. Like, no, that's not, no, don't be doing that. No radical kind of situations, but she's not wrong. And to move quickly, because our hearts are hurting, to one of our now, from our least favorite heart-breaking things, to our most heartwarming things, the third holocron cool creature. Colleen, I know this is your favorite. (laughs) This is my absolute favorite. They're Tuka cats. Okay, so... These guys look a little bit like the Cheshire Cat. They've got those huge mouths, big grinning mouths. They can be both pets and pests. So they kind of are running around the lower levels of Coruscant just like feral. I love feral them. Cats causing problems. Yep. And this episode, we see them running away from that rampaging demolition droid that we're going to talk about later. And then at the very end, one jumps onto Ahsoka and Trace's table at the Aww. wharf and is so cute. And I just want to grab it and snuggle it and hug it. And then, of course, while I was researching them, I found out so sadly that the Tuca cats are named after Dave Filoni's deceased cat, Tuca. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> oh, that's why they're so cute and probably so troublesome. And for our Rebel fans out there, you'll recognize these guys as Loth cats, mm-hmm. which are a subspecies of Tuka cats. They're super adorable and feisty. They aren't afraid of much, and they go like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and K 
can you imagine having them in your sweet, sweet home, knocking things off with impunity and getting their claws caught on a porch screen? <laughs> Heck yes. I want to adopt them all. Mm-hmm. Ezra Bridger has a super strong connection with these cats, although arguably he's got super strong connection with a lot of animals. Loth cats and loth wolves are kind of his mm-hmm. go-tos. Yes. And a loth cat was the first creature he tried to connect with through the forest. And Colleen posits, and I would have to agree, that the white loth cat could be considered Ezra's force familiar, a guide and guardian through the force. Yes. Ezra's strongest connection are probably to the two white creatures, the loth cat and the loth wolf, both of his yep. kind of familiars are the two white creatures so you can always tell when they're around because they look way different than the others of their species and then also we got a look at a tuca or it could be a loath cat depending on where they are on the planet of sorgan in the mandalorian this guy was hiding underneath the table in the cafe and it hissed and swiped at little baby yoda from under the table he's just a temperamental (laughs) little shit he's really cute but if he scratches our little chamois shake, we will not be held responsible for our actions. We will not. <laughs> and so now that we understand one of the most adorable and wonderful animals in the galaxy, we decided for our fourth holocron, which is the cool item, that the... <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn and Lucy? <laughs> oh, she's trying to get him right now. You okay, buddy? Oh. <laughs> oh. What a perfect transition from the loath cat into the cool <laughs> item. <laughs> yeah, so we decided that the coolest contraption, um, sorry, that was my cat and she is still hissing. <laughs> That by far was the type 2 binary load lifters, the droids that Ahsoka refers to as demolition droids. But since we're going to be talking about these babies in the Defender of Droids holocron, let's move straight to our fifth holocron, homages and Easter eggs. All right. This is one of my favorite sections. So our friend Sean pointed out this really fun Easter egg. It's glance and you'll miss them cameos from four cantina playset figurines. Sears, this I don't know if you all know about Sears. It's a department store that's mostly gone now. They once so upon yeah, a once time. upon a time when we hadn't killed all of the department stores when pennies were by <laughs> JC exactly, and there were maze as far as you could see. There were marts that began with K <laughs> <laughs> and walls. <laughs> <laughs> so Sears, our great store Sears, sold a Kenner playset featuring the following action figures. Greedo. This is the Rodian guy with kind of like the big bug eyes and the two little antenna wearing an all green jumpsuit. Although in this episode, it's not Greedo. It's just a Rodian that looks like the toy. There is Hammerhead, who's actually an Ethorian. And they find the term Hammerhead really offensive, by the way, George Lucas. Yeah, so and don't Kenner. call them that. Don't call them that, please. Probably the same for Walrus Man. they call him walrus man it's probably supposed to be that cranky criminal panda baba from the cantina and his species is the aqualish once again in this episode this is not panda baba most likely and then the last guy is called snaggletooth also not his real name kenner (laughs) and also not a great name (laughs) not a great name either and he is a snivian named zutton 
So the masterminds at Kenner mistakenly made his clothes all blue, gave him these like ridiculous kiss metallic silver moon boots, and they made him really tall. He's supposed to be much shorter. So snaps to Kenner for giving us those toys, but also snaps to the Clone Wars creators for giving us this really cool cameo. Loved it. Yeah, and double snaps to Sean for pointing it out to us mm-hmm. and letting us know before we recorded. <laughs> Thank you, yes, sir. Thank you. Because it's like, I noticed certain species, but I would have had no idea that they were these toys. <laughs> yep. And then kind of classic to what we keep seeing, James Cameron's alien is back with the forklift speeder trace grabs. Um, mm-hmm. Reminded Colleen and I a little bit of that power loader suit that Ripley uses to battle the alien queen. Mm-hmm. And Trace and Ahsoka use it to similar effect here. So you wonder if there's just a training manual that gets passed around to all these fierce females. Because if so, I want my copy. Stat. Yes. <laughs> Give me a mech suit. I am all about that. And then, so we have the Coruscant City itself. And it owes a lot to Blade Runner, The Fifth Element, Judge Dredd. These kind of gritty multi-level megacities where the elite, of course, live in the upper levels with the clouds and all the regular people have to find whatever room they can to live. Yep. So then we so we'll talk about this a little bit in our Master and Apprentice section, but we see this in Ahsoka's conspiracy arc that we rewatched that the saboteur Letta, she and her husband lived in these kind of cramped quarters in the lower levels of Coruscant. And it's tiny, and it doesn't look great. And who's, Colleen, for our listeners, who's Saboteur Letta, first of Mm. all? So for that arc in the end of season five, the Jedi Temple is bombed, and it's Barriss Afi, who is Ahsoka's ostensibly best friend, basically. Yep. She's the one behind the conspiracy. She gets Letta, this woman, human woman, to agree to give her husband, Jakar, nanodroids in his food, which will make him into a living bomb. So he goes into the Jedi Temple, just going about his daily routine, maybe thinks he has indigestion, and then he <laughs> Upset stomach explodes. and definitely diarrhea. Yes. Not good. No. He explodes. <laughs> Not good. He explodes. And Letta is part of this group, underground group, who is anti-Jedi, anti-war, anti-clones. And you kind of get the feeling like, well, they live in this squalor, even though her husband is a pretty elite technician at the Jedi Temple. It does not look like they're paying them very well. And yeah. It doesn't look like the Jedi are taking super great care of their employees, which can also be seen in movies like Total Recall when they're on Mars and all of the people who were in the lower echelon society were exposed to the Mars atmosphere and mutated. And all the rich people are just living in their nice high rises with the good clean air and feeling great. And then for our fifth one, we saw one of the signs in the laundromat. Colleen, mm-hmm. you're really, really good breaking down those signs. Like, I can only spot them and then I can get, oh, what did that one say? Yes. That's my job. That, now that you get is, to break it down for us. That is my Googling prowess right there. I see a sign in Star Wars and I'm like, what was that? It has to mean something. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, usually there's like graffiti and stuff that might not be able to be discerned, but these are hysterical. One of them says Lando Matt, and the other one says Calrissian. And the blue shirt logo is kind of reminiscent of one of Lando's signature kind of tunicky shirts. And yeah. Lando is probably not connected to this in any way, shape, or form. He's not the right age for it. But it kind of made me wonder. I'm like, did Rafa buy this from somebody whose last name was Calrissian by chance? Like maybe Lando's shady uncle or something. And then maybe, like, is the Twi'lek that she 
fixes the droids for? Is he connected to Lando's family at all? I don't know. Might just be like a fun little inside joke that they did, but it's amazing. Love it. Yeah. And speaking of amazing little nuggets, let's move on to our six holocron that Darth Palladius, what kind of dramatic irony do we see? Okay, so there's quite a bit in this episode, and this arc in particular, we're going to get a lot of Ahsoka foreshadowing into who she becomes later in life. But for this one in particular, we know that the Siege of Mandalore is coming from the trailers for this season, and also from talks Dave Filoni has given, saying that the Siege of Mandalore was originally supposed to be the finale, conclusion of the Clone Wars. So we know from that trailer, Ahsoka will be around to experience Order 66, because the Siege of mm-hmm. Mandalore happens at the same time. We don't know what happens to her exactly during Order 66. That's all a bit murky still. But anyone who has read E.K. Johnson's novel Ahsoka will have some idea. So a little mild spoiler beep beep here. It's not going to go too in-depth, but if you don't want to hear anything at all about the novel, tune out for the next couple of minutes. So we know Ahsoka is with Rex for Order 66 on Mandalore. We know she's there to take down Maul, who has been in charge of the Mandalorian government. And she's there to help Bo-Katan Kryze, who was Satine's sister. She's trying to retake the planet. We know Ahsoka escapes because she is in Rebels, and so is Rex. So we know he also escapes, but we haven't seen it. So we have no idea really how they're going to escape. And just knowing it's coming makes me get all these little goosebumps all over. Like, yeah. So excited to see them escape. Speaking of goosebumps all over our skin, one unifying line got the attention, I think, universally mm-hmm. of everyone. And that is when Trace asks Ahsoka who taught her to fight so well. Mm-hmm. And she answers, my older brother taught me. <laughs> And so for those of us who have a little bit more time on our hands, we kind of encourage you to at least enjoy those last four episodes of season five and pay Mm -hmm. particular attention to when she refers to him as Anakin. Because after she leaves, it's no longer master. And we know that Ahsoka and Anakin will meet again but he will be unrecognizable under Vader's mask. And it is one of those treats that breaks your heart time and time again watching it. Mm -hmm. And speaking of breaking things, (laughs) including our hearts, let's move to our seventh holocron, the Defender of Droids, Armed with our Droid Liberation and Defense Organization team members, let's talk about those demolition droids. Yes. And we love Ahsoka, mm. but her line at the jump regarding these droids was mm-hmm. a teensy bit <laughs> problematic because she says, quote, the majority of them are fine, but some are just crosswired from majority are fine but some are just crosswired from the start. Mm-hmm. Colleen, how did Trace respond and then <laughs> let us know about what that kind of made you think of? Yes. So eventually when Ahsoka says she doesn't understand people, Trace throws this line of hers back at her. 
by saying that people are either good or evil, and some are cross-wired from the start as well. Whoops. Yep, so it's she's trying to say, like, yeah, you know, there, some people get a bad rap, but doesn't necessarily mean you're born bad, born evil, born cross-wired from the start. This made me think of two things. Bendu from Rebels, our space moose, shouts to space moose when he said the Sith hologram could be used for good or evil. It really depended upon the person who was using it. And then Queel, sweet Queel, from The Mandalorian, he said droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. While this also seems to uh, call droid sentience into question a little bit too much for our comfort, it's really interesting to think about that whole nature versus nurture thing. What really shapes a droid besides programming? Like, were these demolition droids mistreated in some way that they've turned out this way? Were they purposefully programmed to be this way? Is there a way for them to fight back against it? Yeah, because because what's interesting is Ahsoka refers to them as demolition droids, mm-hmm. prone to violence, without restraining bolts, you know, they'll destroy things. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, well, if Chewie gets mm-hmm. locked up, he's gonna try and fight back get out of those restraining bolts no how no matter how he can and escape just like mm-hmm. that demolition droid did yes. and so it was kind of interesting you can't necessarily make out the boops and the beeps but it sounds like sort of <laughs> some sort of sentient deep-throated yes. communication <laughs> is <talking>. going on <laughs> yes. but it's unclear what it is especially when we know or we anticipate that they're being used by the separatists and mm-hmm. we expect that they're probably made by techno union. So just kind of like mm-hmm. with our clone guys, once chips or certain things get activated, things go south. Mm-hmm. Same like with when Dooku used them earlier on Clone Wars when the banks were being deregulated. He used them it, as saboteurs, basically. Yeah. yeah. And so... We'll be talking kind of about the trading routes, sanctions, and currency mm-hmm. because because it's unclear to us exactly how expensive these droids are, but it's clear they're expensive some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're a pretty, pretty penny. So I think, without further ado, is there anything left that you wanted to talk about, Colleen, about the droids before oh. we move on from them? Since we were talking about them speaking a little bit, another fun little nugget that we have in A New Hope, C-3PO, he tells Owen Lars that his first job was translating for binary load lifters. Thank you, Colleen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is hysterical. So that's why nobody can understand them, because they need a protocol droid to translate for them. Aw, so clearly there is some sentient communication. Just Mm -hmm. three CPOs busy being chastised elsewhere. (laughs) Right. Poor 3PO. (laughs) Aw, poor dude. And so I think now is a good time for us to move to our critics corner. I've got a bad Mm -hmm. feeling about this. I think you've been talking to some more of the fans live. Mm -hmm. What have they been talking about here? So I think one of the biggest issues fans had with a lot of the material that came after the original trilogy, like particularly with the prequels and the Clone Wars, and now with Last Jedi, this comes up again, was how... The Jedi were portrayed as arrogant and full of hubris, the council and the order just in general. And 
Obi-Wan and Yoda told us when we were younger that the Jedi were a peace creeping group, like these Knights of the Republic, mythic, wondrous, good guys, like beacons of light. And learning that the Jedi were just as flawed as any organization we know in our reality kind of came as a shock. Like these are kind of like Avalon, Knights of Camelot kind of people who think that they're supposed to be doing good all the time. And that's really not how reality works. Like even in the wizarding world in Harry Potter, the Ministry of Magic is not perfect. There's no perfect government, police, military, society. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. So this makes things more realistic, but I can see why some fans were like, but when we were young, we were they were we were told that they were good. Yeah, and so I think <laughs> that's one of the interesting things with stories as they evolve and warp. Like you can see that a lot with things like Robin Hood and how societal hmm. changes mm-hmm. will change what Robin Hood stands for and what he does and how he does them and blah 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 blah. That's very mm-hmm. similar to the Jedi because I think in some ways it's refreshing that we can Mm -hmm. see the fallibility and that our kids and we are taught that just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true you have Mm -hmm. to back it up with action yep and it's a reflection of our society yep and speaking of a reflection of our society and action Spoiler alert, if you, again, haven't read the Ahsoka novel since this is so Ahsoka, we're a little bit concerned that either Trace or Rafa may pass on. They might don't mm-hmm. get killed. <laughs> and yep, so they, they probably will, or one of them. <laughs> why do we think maybe Colleen, and again, this has nothing to do with leaks, this is just kind of plot and character development as an author, as an conjecture. artist. Yeah, what what conjecture mm-hmm. do we have here? So neither Trace or Rafa are in the Ahsoka novel. And so because they're not in it or mentioned, that kind of makes me think Ahsoka has moved past them in their in hers and their life, which probably means one of them or both are dead. Yep. Because you know what? In Star Wars, no one can be happy. No one can be happy. Exactly. So my money, if I were writing this, and hopefully somebody else is writing this, because this is just going to be sad, my money is on Trace being in danger of some kind, and Rafa ends up sacrificing herself to save her sister. She does tell Trace in this episode, I'll do the right thing. She doesn't (laughs) this time. She gives the droids back to the Twilight guy. But this could be foreshadowing that she will eventually do the right thing, and it might cost her her life. And if she's dead because of something that Ahsoka maybe got them into. That's gonna the, haunt her. <laughs> then, then Trace will probably abandon Ahsoka or leave her. So then like that really sweet, maybe relationshipy chemistry that Ahsoka and Trace kind of have would be ruined. Because like I said, no one can be happy in Star Wars. Yep. And so what I say is, nope. In fact, as far as we know, they have their own <laughs> spinoff. And thank you for the ever-expanding Star Wars canon. Yay! <laughs> because as the third critique, some people actually thought that maybe not enough had happened in the episode. Arguably little to no character development to tropey, not compelling enough. But, like, y'all, yo, in case you're in that bucket, listen to my husband. He's super smart. This had a lot to do with 
the morality and Ahsoka's intrinsic character development and Mm -hmm. us as the viewer getting to mull that over as Ahsoka mulls it over. And remember, this is the first episode in a four-episode arc. So Mm -hmm. it's a little too early to come out too fast and too hot. And so, you know, maybe... One could argue that there's character, a little too much character lifting in the beauty of the scenery with the ship ascending mm-hmm. Coruscant to higher levels. But like, y'all, if you're going to complain about beautiful Star Wars artistry, you are barking up <laughs> the wrong tree and listen to the wrong podcast because it is beautiful. Colleen, tell mm-hmm. us about this literal visual of her fall from grace yes i i love every element in this episode has either to do with rising or falling which was interesting that stunning scene where that force theme music hits you in all the feels when she's watching the transport rise up through the levels yeah kind of watching it wistfully like maybe wishing part of her wishing she was back oh absolutely that's back in her cushy well maybe not cushy but security that's safety. That's security. That's what she thought she knew for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then that literal fall from grace into Coruscant's bowels, which is great symbolically. Like she's bought her own speeder. She's like, I bought my own car. I'm striking out on my own. I'm going to go adult now, only to have the speeder break the instant she hits the accelerator and send her which spiraling again downward. hits close to home. Yep. <laughs> so then she calls the speeder junk so it kind of is like she might as well be talking about herself like her self-esteem is in the toilet at this point she's a hero and she needs a battle to fight in order to feel any sort of self-worth at least at this point in her arc yep and i think this is a great time before we move on to our next section to make it clear what our last (laughs) and important final minor Mm. quibble is colleen Mm. What is Mm -mm. it? Mm. Don't do this, y'all. Unless it's you're supposed to do it at the place. They don't bust their trays at the war food court. They just leave them sitting there. Just leave them sitting there for who knows. Poor person who's trying to clean up. Ah. As a former server, that just got me. I was like, what? They're just going to leave their shit sitting there? (laughs) So rude. Clean up after (laughs) yourself if it's one of those buffet places. Tip your Uber Eats mm. drivers and Instacart delivery exactly. folks. <laughs> because they're the heroes of the real world, <laughs> which which is a great transition to our next segment. Who won the episode? What is our best, best car? Who gave the best outer rim, inner rim, core job performance? Yes. Starting with the outer rim. Our girl, not just Ahsoka, our other girl is back, Ashley Eckstein. Snap, 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 snap. Our favorite Clone Wars voice actor is back. Fantastic showing. She has a lot to do this episode. She has to convey pain, swagger, and that trademark Jedi righteousness into Ahsoka. And she does such a good job. She's always had something special. She infuses Ahsoka with that warmth and sassiness that people have come to love. And then her attachment and respect for this character just make us love her even more. 
And shouts to her being a hero in real life, in the real world, outside a galaxy far, far away and on planet Earth right here. What did she do this past week, which had us absolutely with our hearts Uh, melting? Just adore her. She's fantastic. She, knowing that a lot of kids are at home with not a lot to do necessarily, she read a book online and streamed it so that kids could listen to her reading a book it was so sweet so so precious and then she also has the her universe website she created this um website for women who love fandom who also wanted to have fandom fashion but who found like the boxy t-shirts that all the guys wear weren't flattering or weren't like necessarily the favorite colors so well i'm gonna have to check it, oh it's so out. cute just watch out because it's everything's real cute <laughs> and so now that we understand why she is a hero above the rest who was our hero inside the episode colleen all right i know we're going to be giving it to ahsoka probably more than once throughout the rest of this series so i'm gonna give it yeah. up this time because ahsoka was a little sad this episode and needed some lifting up we're going to give it. She definitely she needed, needed a Samwise Gamgee. She, did. she <laughs> needed a sidekick or a partner or a helpful assistant. And I think she's kind of found maybe a partner here for now, at least in Trace Martez. Yeah. Good job, Trace. Yes. So super brave for leaving her shop to go check on someone who crashed right outside. Like, this could be a bad move. Very on relaxed. Level 13, 13, <laughs> but good on her. She's a good person. And then she opens up her yep. shop to Ahsoka. She kind of ribs her about getting paid and whatnot at first, but you can tell that Trace kind of, she's a little Hufflepuffy. I think she needs these kind of people and wants to be friends, wants to reach out, likes to make connections yep. in a different way than her sister is wanting to make connections. She actually wants to make meaningful friendships. So she's super curious. Yeah, and I don't fault a a woman who knows her shop's Mm -hmm. worth, too, and fighting for a sustainable wage. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like, she knows. She's like, I got some space here that I could rent to anybody, and I'm going to help you. So where's my money? She does express her opinions, too, about the Jedi, but she doesn't harp on about it too much. She's honest. She doesn't try to push it onto Ahsoka, though. When Ahsoka says, that's not what the Jedi do, or the Jedi didn't start this war, Trace is kind of like, okay, you can have your thoughts and opinions. They may be wrong, but that's fine. You can do you. And then when she full-on, like, attacks those goons that <laughs> Pintu sends after her, she fights off these two guys pretty well. Yeah, she is ready to throw down yeah, when she's necessary. scrappy. I can respect that. And then she's willing to help her sister on building these droids, even though it takes her away from her ship, which is how she thinks she's actually going to make a better life for herself and her sister, like actually getting off planet and going to the stars. She's still willing to step in and help Rafa, which seems like the very put upon younger sibling is always having to do what their older sibling says. Yep. And also kind of indicative of walkabout mm. journeys and how they're portrayed mm-hmm. which is a nice transition to our master and apprentice section because my first question had to deal with that mm-hmm. theme as we see ahsoka break out onto her walkabout journey that journey of self-discovery what she wants what kind of other species and mm-hmm. types of characters in addition to jedi if any do we see 
go on these solo individualized walkabout quests, whether they're kind of thrust mm. upon mm -hmm. them like Ahsoka's was, whether or not it was a quote unquote test that she arguably would have had to take separate and apart from how this all went down thanks to Palpy. Mm -hmm. What do we know in addition to this Jedi in addition to the Jedi call? Okay, so yep, the Jedi have these little I don't know if it's really mini walkabouts per se, how long it actually takes them. But they, like Luke, when he descends into the tree in Dagobah, they, that kind of is your walkabout yep. of the mind, where you have to face your inner darkness and come out of it unscathed or have having learned something, which Luke failed miserably, by the way, folks. Most of the Jedi, they probably don't fail quite as handily as he did. And Rey also had trouble with hers. Fair. They're a little older, yep. so we're going to let them get out of that a little bit. They're worries and concerns were probably a little bit more developed than most of the Jedi children or younglings that would have to deal with that would be. So I really wanted to look at Wookiees and the Trandoshans for walkabout kind of coming of age stories. Wookiees have this yeah. ceremony called the Hurtic. Hurt, I cannot pronounce. I do not speak Wookiee, <laughs> everyone. It's called Hurtayek Ceremony. That's my best guess. Hurtayek Ceremony. It's a coming of age ceremony in the Wookiee culture where they either build or are gifted this handcrafted bowcaster for the occasion. So Chewie's weapon of choice is the bowcaster. And it notably involved climbing like this really tall tree to the highest heights. So it's a test of bravery and of perseverance course. because that's pretty much what they all are. Now the Trandoshans take this into a questionable kind of direction. <laughs> the Wookiees is more about Read, Read murdery. murdery. <laughs> Wookie, not so much with the murdering. It's more about how to become one with nature and yourself. For the Trandoshans, it's about hunting the most dangerous game. And the most dangerous game is other people, including Ahsoka. Yay! So, yep. In one of the arcs in Clone Wars, Ahsoka is kidnapped by the Trandoshans, taken to this moon, and basically is forced to try and live as long as she can, while the Trandoshans, who are the lizard kind of human-esque lizard guys. You would have seen them in Skyrim, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Remember, if they are lizard people, they're usually evil also for some reason. <laughs> not, not the best coming of age kind of ceremony, really. Hunting others and then taking parts of their bodies as trophies. Don't do that, kids. Speaking of parts of bodies missing and <laughs> hunting people, Sith apprentices mm. constantly on a mission. And Colleen mm -hmm. and I were kind of mulling off the air before we were recording. Is this kind of like a dark walkabout is mm -hmm. when you do other people's illicit evil means. Whereas a mm -hmm. Jedi walkabout, you're not going on a murdery rampage <laughs> full of vengeance and so I think it's really interesting to see how this kind of core story that is seen in a few different cultures originally hailed from the Australian Aboriginals are played mm -hmm. out. And one of my favorite kind of coming coming to terms with one's inner powers is Ezra. Mm. And I yeah. love that he's kind of Star Wars version of Captain Planet's <laughs> heart. Because oh, yeah. he has Big got feels. it in spades and where mm -hmm. Anakin Skywalker, you see him try to almost manhandle control animals. Mm -hmm. He can't do it. He just mm -hmm. can't. 
Ezra is more of and I could totally be botching the D&D language for it, but it's almost like cooperative magic. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to have a wonderful conversation and learn from you. Yeah. That is not what Annie's about. No, Anakin's more about the domineering factor of the Force when it comes to having an animal assist him. Yep. Obi-Wan's more in the Ezra category where he can just get animals to trust him. And so, and then also speaking about the the animal iconography and the walkabout mm-hmm. journey is mm-hmm. this owl daughter from the Mortis arc we had talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Convor, I think, is the name, right, Colleen? Yes, the Convor is the little bird guys that are on the Trandoshan moon when Ahsoka is kidnapped. They're kind of hanging around her, and the Convor is the symbol. Looks like a little owl. Like a really sweet, cute little owl is the symbol of the daughter. Yeah. So, so more light side symbol symbolism for Ahsoka. So one of the things we wanted us BGS folks to do is keep an eye out for Loth kitties mm-hmm. and potential Animal. owl daughter sightings just to say as we watch these next shows because that's something that we're definitely keeping an eye out on as we're getting hopefully closer and closer to learning more about how three of our favorite characters, i.e. Annika, Ahsoka, Ezra, how their fates may or may not be intertwined, because mm-hmm. we don't think that intertwinement is gone without a trace. <laughs> no. We think there are <laughs> clues as to where they have gone and where they are going which Mm -hmm. may be one of the things that creators are toying with when it comes Mm -hmm. to the viewers giving us this play on words yes so gone without a trace or gone with a trace gone with traces help yeah how many different dad jokes (laughs) how many different ways can we swivel it around we're just not sure But we Mm -hmm. do know, and we've seen this before, it's possible to put a trace on someone. And Colleen's Mm -hmm. wondering, is Annie looking out? Because Mm -hmm. moving to our second question, do Jedi even get paid? (laughs) Which better pay that money? money? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody's paying anybody any money in Star Wars. Yeah, (laughs) jeez. They're always hunting those credits, but that's why money is the most dangerous weapon in the galaxy. Yes, it is. Mm. I'm guessing the Jedi probably don't get paid in the normal way, how we would think. It seems like they're financed by the Senate or whatever governing body is in control of the time, possibly through tax collection, much like a military or police force would be, which, and again, the citizens are probably like, "Mm, my tax dollars are going to fuck this war. I don't like that. Again, I can't relate. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Why are we funding this war again? This war that nobody's winning? Why? Why? Right. I love when so. you do that. You're so good. I love the droids. They're Can so you do cute. it one more time? Why? There it is. <laughs> oh, and so we so do much. see mm. Qui Gon Jinn, aka mm-hmm. Heartthrob, mm. given Looking credits good. for his mission to uh, to yeah. Naboo, and Obi Wan, of course, pays for a drink. Mm-hmm. So they do have money or they do mm-hmm. have allowance but it yeah, yeah like a per diem if you mm-hmm. will we're just mm-hmm. not sure 
but we do know that our gal Ahsoka, it <laughs> looks like she doesn't have any severance. We're mm. worried about her healthcare situation because it looks like it was employer based too. So she doesn't have any right now either. <laughs> nope. Nope. And she's not on her parents' plan. No. Nope. <laughs> she's not. She had to go buy that speeder bike by herself. So if she did have any credits given to her by the Jedi, she probably spent most of them just to get that speeder. Yep. And then since we're talking about money, we should also mention that intergalactic banking clan. Which they, they kind of show up in Clone Wars a couple times. They're a major player in the galaxy. They play the Separatists and the Republic off of each other by loaning money to both of them. Yeah. Like shady, shady dudes, basically. It's a lot like the Iron Bank in A Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. They basically have this stranglehold on several planets and governments. But in the end, just like everybody else, they're dissolved by Palpatine after Yay. the fall of the Jedi. Yep, Palpatine's like, mm, you gotta give him props for a master much plan. Time. He really, really did cool. lay it out, you know. He knew what was going on. He knew what was going on. Oh, and I do have to bring this one back up too. Even though, like, most, what's most apparent is the Jedi don't think about money that often. They know they're going to have it when they need it. That's basically. called force privilege. Yep, force privilege. Yep. Just look back on those episodes in season five, that ending arc, Anakin and Ahsoka are going to that Jedi employee's apartment. And Anakin is kind of looking around the neighborhood and the inside of the apartment. He's like, this is not very nice, Ahsoka. I'm kind of sorry that we're down here. There's trash everywhere. Poorly lit. It looks like trash. And then Ahsoka is super shocked. She says, I would have thought working for the Jedi paid better. Mm. Yeah. Us too. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Pay teachers and peacekeepers fair wages, people. Essential task force. <laughs> so until next week, we can't wait to geek out with you together on Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 6. Mm -hmm. I mean, Colleen, they mm -hmm. can send us questions for Master oh and Apprentice, right? They can. Yeah, uh, Master and Apprentice me for one hot beat. How do they do it, Colleen? Well... Several ways. You can email us at bgs at gmail.com, or you can follow and reach out to us on Twitter, get on that Instagram, or just by getting deeper involved in our shared geeky community in a galaxy close, close to your ears and our hearts. So thank you so very much, dear listener, dear streamer. Savers up and keep those episodes streaming. Star Wars, that was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars, that was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 5. That was some show you put on just now. Just doing our job, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>